Hey, welcome back to yet another episode. I'm so excited because today is going to be a solo episode. And I'm going to be talking about the one question I get all the time from people, which is, what would you have done differently, Alyssa, if you would have started all over again? So if you know and you've been sticking around for a really long time and you've been following my journey for many years, you know that I actually did get the opportunities to start a brand new firm from scratch. And so in that process, I did a lot of journaling and documentation of the things that I did differently that I wish I would have done the first time I ran my first firm back in 2015. And so in this episode, I'm going to be sharing some insights of what I would have done differently from the beginning if I got to start from scratch. And this is perfect for anybody who's a newbie and also even people who are more seasoned. Maybe there's some things in here that you also wish you would have implemented or maybe you might resonate with some of these things. So a couple of things that we're going to be covering today is I'm going to be talking about in order, the things that I would have implemented if I were to do it all over again. Number one would have been to implement a project management system. So I'm going to make some recommendations on what project management systems I recommend, what that would actually look like. Number two, I would have documented everything from the beginning. So we're going to talk about those efficiency tools that you're going to need to have in place as you grow the business because I really wish I would have had that from the beginning. Number three, we're going to talk about getting solid contracts in place. So I really wish I would have done that from the beginning. And so I'm going to be talking about what that looks like for me now and where you can go for those legal resources and the legal contracts that you need to really, truly protect yourself. Number four was, I really wish I would have implemented Profit First or at least known about it from the very beginning. So in this episode, I share when I did start my firm again that I immediately implemented it, what that looked like for me and how it changed the game for me when it came to the way we save money, the way we spend money, and the way I'm able to pay myself. And lastly is I'm going to be talking about, I wish I would have priced right from the very beginning. So if you truly struggle with the way that you should be pricing your services, especially at the beginning stages, we're going to dive into that and we're going to talk about the topic of why it's so important that the industry starts to bump up our minimum standard of how much we're willing to price so that way everyone can win ultimately. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be really great. A lot of great things here and can't wait. Do you ever feel like if you had actionable systems in place that it can actually take your practice to the next level? Can you imagine the freedom you'd gain from finally getting everything out of your head and into a system that can help you move things on autopilot? Do you ever feel like you want to hire help for your practice, but you just don't know where to start? Trust me, I get it. And you're not alone, but it doesn't have to be this way. You're kick-ass at doing the bookkeeping and accounting work. There's no doubt about that, but you struggle to maintain the systems and operations of your business. Am I right? But don't worry. That's where I come in. The workflow queen. I'm going to guide you on how to implement tech, systems, and automation in your practice so you can scale bigger, hire better, and break through to the next level. I can't wait to support you here on the Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host, Alyssa Lang. So in today's episode, I really wanted to dive into some really fun topics that I felt like were just a great opportunity for anybody out there who either is already in business for quite some time or even someone more at the newbie stage because I get asked this question a lot is if I would do it all over again, how would I do it differently? So what would I have implemented first, second, you know, in what order would I have done things? And I think that we all wish that we had that opportunity to start from scratch again. And if you're more well-seasoned, then you probably can relate to the fact that sometimes you want to light your business on fire, which is totally normal. And then sometimes when you're at the very beginning, you're so overwhelmed by all the different tech and the different systems and the software and the accounting systems. And do I need a niche? And do I need that? And I just want to come here just to share if I would do my business all over again as my bookkeeping firm, what would I do? 
Fun fact, though, I did get the opportunity and the chance to actually start from scratch once again. So if you don't know my backstory, if this is the first episode you're ever listening to, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because we have plenty of episodes that go over my background and kind of where I'm at today. So I previously owned my own bookkeeping and tax firm from 2015 to 2021. That was called Top Notch Bookkeeping Solutions. Then I went full force at this company here at Workflow Queen to help the industry to create systems, tech automations, and also be able to support hiring team members. Well, anyways, back in 2022, I wanted to go back to my roots and I started Magnetic Bookkeeping Consulting. And it is now 2023 that I'm recording this in September and this might not be released till a little bit later, but I did get the chance to do it all over again. And man, it was so nice to be able to do it all over again. But at the same time, it had been a long time, again, of feeling like, oh crap, I have to do this again all over from scratch. And so as much as we want to light our business on fire or start from scratch or what would I have done differently, if that were the case, you'd probably also feel overwhelmed even if you know what you know now. And so I just want you to be mindful of that, that we do all have those moments and it's pretty normal. But because I got the chance to kind of do that all over again and I was able to start a firm from scratch once again, this time around, I didn't want to do the tax side of things. I just wanted my firm to specialize in more of the bookkeeping and financial consulting side of things. But yeah, it's it was such a journey. It was so, so interesting like going through what I did with Magnetic versus what I should have done back at Top Notch. And I mean, I wasted so many years at my first business trying to figure out all these systems, you know, how do I create these processes? How do I hire and all these different things that now I've kind of, I don't want to say perfected because it's not really the right word to use because I do truly believe that everybody has an opportunity to continue to grow and learn. But I have done it really right in order to be able to teach so many other people in the industry on how to hire team build systems processes. So in the whole process of me starting over from scratch, there was a lot of things that I did do differently. And so I'm going to share that today. A couple of those things is I'm going to talk about implementing a PM system, which if you don't know what that means, it's a project management system. Things that I also did differently was documenting from the beginning. So we're going to talk about here in just a second. Um, also getting solid contracts in place. So making sure that you have the right legal people behind the scenes. And then also one of the biggest things I'd ever implemented that helped me with my business years down the road, which I wish I would have known when I first started my business, is implementing something like Profit First. And then also I really wish that I would have priced like what I was actually worth from the very beginning and also aligned with the industry standard. So we're going to dive into each of those five components today about the things I would have done differently. Like I said, this episode is honestly perfect for people from you know, just starting out or even people who are well-seasoned because I'm sure you can relate to all of these things or maybe you can pass on the wisdom to somebody else who maybe is at that beginning stage, right? So if you're at the beginning stage, I just want to give you like, give yourself grace is probably what I'm trying to say. Give yourself grace that like anything that even I say is still going to overwhelm you. And not only is it going to overwhelm you, but it's also going to make you feel like, oh my God, I have to implement all these things right now. Because right now, I already have the education on how to implement each of these things because I've already done it. So even if I just say that one of my big things was implementing a project management system, to you, you might be like, well, what does that look like? What do the project setup look like? You know, how does Asana move? Like, what does that look like? Or what are the PM systems out there? There's going to be so many questions that you're going to have, but don't worry. You don't know what you don't know, right? And so that's why you're listening to this episode. That's why you're here listening to the podcast, listening to people who've done there, done it and been there, done that, right? If you're someone who's maybe well-seasoned, you might be like, oh crap, I can't believe I still haven't implemented these things. Just know that the things that I'm about to list down that I mentioned a second ago that we're going to cover today is my opinion of how I would have done it all over again. The way that you would have done your business all over again would be totally different. So I want to start off with the most important thing that I would have redone all over again if I had to do it once again and what I did when I started Magnetic. 
is implementing a project management system. I think I talk to so many other business owners, so many other firm owners who tell me the same thing. If I would have done it all over again and they tell the newbies, document, 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 implement a project management system, get your tasks out of your head, do not rely on paper. You'd be surprised how many people who are well-seasoned who have been in the industry for quite some time will also say the same thing. And there's a reason for that, right? Remember when we were younger and our parents would always tell us like, one day you're going to blah, 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 or this, or they tell you this thing over and over again. And like all the adults keep telling you the same thing. Like great example of this is life moves by really fast, right? We're told that so much while we're young that we don't realize that by the time that we get to that point in life, all of a sudden life is flying by. Like I seriously can't believe it's already September of 2023. It feels like it was January, like just a second ago. It's insane to me. And so the reason I want to say that is because there's a reason why all of our parents and all of the adults would tell us those things because they were truth. They were things that actually were a matter of fact, but we as children didn't understand it because our priorities were so different. Life moved a lot slower. It wasn't as crazy as it is now. We have all these bills and just priorities and businesses to run, like whatever that looks like. So just be mindful that there's a reason why everybody who's been in business for quite some time all tells you the same thing. And it's because they're telling you wisdom that they wish they would have listened to before. Because when I started, I wish I would have listened to that same person who told me, Alyssa, get a task management system or Alyssa, set up like a good way to, you know, manage your finances or price right from the beginning. But I didn't listen to them. Just like most of us, we all don't listen to the other people because why would I listen to them? It's my business, not theirs. If there's a commonality in the way that people are giving like grouped advice, typically there's a big reason for that. So just be really mindful if you are at the newbie stage, like listen to what a solid amount of people are saying, not just one person, but I mean a collective group of people is a big, big thing. So like I said, my biggest thing was implementing a project management system. So when I did my firm all over again, one of the first things that I did was I actually hired someone to come in and actually install all the templates and everything that we needed for Magnetic for Asana. So I've been using Asana since 20, ooh, I want to say it's like 2018 is when I started using Asana. And I literally took my own programs templates from Kickoff with Asana. If you don't know what that is, I will drop a link in the chat. We have a signature program called Kickoff with Asana for bookkeepers and accountants, and I built it years ago in 2020 to be able to help others in the industry because I also built that and used it for myself in my first firm. And so when I started Magnetic, I hired someone just to install the templates, not to set everything up because I already knew how to do that. And that was the first thing, and I literally used my own templates. So when people ask me, like, do you actually use the templates? Absolutely. Yeah, have they been tweaked a little bit over time? Only because my firm is going to be different than your firm, but at least it's the best baseline that you can find. And so I had someone hired, had them install the actual templates, and then we went and put the specifics. And to me, man, it was such a game changer from the first time I ever did this, not having like the Asana setup. Oh my God, I was a hot mess. I had like sticky notes everywhere. I had task lists up the yin yang. I had notebooks everywhere, whiteboards, you freaking name it. I had all the things. And now like I can't live without my task management system. So the system that I use is called Asana. And Asana, I actually teach it on the free version. So you don't have to upgrade unless you ever choose to. If you're a really large firm with a lot of moving pieces, you might want to upgrade for the custom columns. Other options out there, if I didn't use Asana would be ClickUp. ClickUp would be my second option if I did have to, if maybe Asana crashed one day. I don't prefer ClickUp over Asana. To be honest, I think ClickUp's a little bit clunky and they're trying to come up with a new update every single week with ClickUp. And because of that, it 
like the developers are so spread thin trying to come up with new updates every single week and a new feature that they're not really focusing their attention on the things that have bugs or that are not working. But there's also other people in this industry who love ClickUp and it works for them. And to each their own, just remember, whatever I say isn't what needs to be a thing. It's whatever makes sense for you. So I do recommend if you are at the newbie stage and you've never implemented a project management system, I would look up different options, things like Asana, things like ClickUp. I would look at a project management system that's dedicated specifically for project management. Now, this is where some people in the industry will argue against me, which is totally fine. Everybody has their own opinion. There's apps like Keeper and Zenex out there that essentially can like act as like the QC, which is quality control, and does have a task list functionality. But I think that those systems are really good at the QC and catching errors within the books that we don't notice as like humans versus I wouldn't use it as a full-blown task management system because both of them don't really have the ability to like create really a centralized place for you to be able to manage the whole business. And they're only so focused on the client work. But like I said, this is my own opinion. We do use Zenex in my company. We used to use Keeper, but we actually migrated over to Zenex and we're super happy with them. And Zenex is only for us to do the double checking of the work, which uh, of the QC side. So essentially like Zenex will go in and double check all of the work and make sure, you know, there's not duplicate vendors or whatever that looks like. Same thing for Keeper. They're very similar. It's just for me, I really like the interface a lot better for Zenex. And there are some functionalities that I wish Zenex had that Keeper has, but I think it's just to each your own. So I always recommend like testing it out for a couple clients, but always try to find a project management system that works for you. Like I mentioned, And then the logistics of like, how do I set it up and what that looks like? So I do have a free Asana guide that I will link below this episode in the description. And in the Asana guide, it will show you how I actually set up all my projects inside of Asana when it comes to like the way I structure the company. It's not going to show you my full setup because it is a free guide. If you want our full setup with all the templates and everything that's kick off with Asana. But what I would recommend is checking it out because even if you use something like ClickUp or you use something like Keeper, if you decide to use that as your full-blown task management system, you can always go in and see the way that like I structured the whole company. Like I said, if you're using something like Keeper or Zenex, you're going to be a little bit limited to the way that you can actually set up and structure all the company projects in general and not just the client work. So just be really mindful of that. So I'll link that below this lesson or not lesson. I feel like I'm teaching right now. Below this podcast episode, I will drop all the information of any of the links that I do mention. Another thing I want to talk about the other recommendation of if I would have started all over again, what would I do as well is documenting things from the beginning. So I'll kind of explain what that means. In the beginning, we always assume that it's only going to be us and that nobody else is going to work for us. Don't get me wrong. I did the same. And I massively regretted not listening to other people going back to that same concept of not listening to what a big, large group of people are saying. And I regret not documenting. I regret leaving all of my clients' information in my brain. I regret being the only one who knew everything about my clients. And when I did start my firm all over again and I started Magnetic, that was one of the first things was like, we're going to be creating SOPs, which is a standard operating procedure. We're going to be documenting nuances about the clients. We're going to be storing them in the right places. Nobody on the team should know something that nobody else can know or at least get access to the information to know about. Like, I was so, so, so strict when I started Magnetic of the way that we were going to document things. And it, it dawned on me the other day of like, man, if only I knew this when I first started, it would, would have been a game changer. So we teach SOPs specifically in like dis- SOPs, decision trees, owner's manuals are just concepts that we've kind of either termed or they're used 
in the online world, but they're just essentially efficiency tools that we use within the company to help us document and transfer information to team members. And even if it's not like you don't plan to hire right now, or even if you don't ever in the in the future, that's totally fine. But I'm telling you, even documenting for your own peace of mind is going to change the game for you. Like we used to have like this really long step. It was like a 45 step like task list to take Wix. Like Wix has like a, for anybody who sells like coffee online or anything like that, Wix has like a really complicated like structure. And so we had to use to go through and like use this like 45 step task list in order for us to like gather the right reports inside of Wix, put them into the QuickBooks online and do all the things that we needed to do to the point where like, I can't imagine like for my own sanity trying to remember each of those steps every month, which at one point I technically did. And it was so exhausting because every month I kind of had to retrain myself on how to do it. And so even for your own peace of mind, it's really cool to have like those SOPs ready. I use my SOPs all the time. Like the other day we were putting together a proposal for one of our clients and I don't remember how to use Dubsado all the time. So I just go in and watch my own video of me telling myself how to do it, which is great because it was me who said it. Like, (laughs) and so it's fun and interesting to like kind of see, you know, yourself and hear yourself doing something that you forgot how to do. And so my recommendation is documenting from the beginning. If you don't know, there's a um, lovely screen recording app. It's called Loom. And I'll, like I said, I'm gonna link everything below. And also I'll link my tech stack for Magnetic. And that way, if you go to workflowqueen.com backslash tech dash stack, which I will include in a link below, this lovely episode, you can actually see my full tech stack and see like what I use in my own firm. But with Loom, it's a screen recording system. So while you're already doing something, my recommendation is to screen record yourself doing it. Because why go in there and have to write everything out when you could just screen record it? Then when you ever have to rewatch it or you outsource it to another team member, you could be talking through what you're doing on that screen recording that anybody can access in the future. So those are the first two is implementing one, a project management system, documenting from the beginning, The third thing that I would have done right from the very beginning is to get solid contracts in place. And so here's going to be the advice that some people might disagree with, or if you're a newbie, you're probably going to be like, I can't afford this. So let me say it in the nicest way possible. You can't afford to actually be stuck in a bad legal situation because you wanted to go the cheaper route to avoid having the right contracts in place. So I just want that to kind of sink in for a second. You don't really know what's going to happen. We all think that people have good intentions and most of our clients do, but you could run into a really bad scenario that can put you in a really bad situation. If you don't have solid contracts in place, it's going to put you and the business in a really bad position. It can make you go bankrupt. It depends on how complex like the issue is that gets brought up. I don't want to scare anybody into thinking that that happens often. It really doesn't happen often, but at least you're protected and at least you have a contract to kind of point your clients back to when they try to argue against maybe paying you by the first of the month or whatever that looks like, right? The contract is meant to stand legally to represent you and also make sure that nothing goes wrong. (laughs) It will go wrong, but at least with the contract, you'll feel more confident knowing that you can always refer them to the legal verbiage and the legal information of how things are the way that they are and the way you do business. And so my recommendation for this is that when you do the legal contracts, I recommend that if you are getting legal contracts from some sort of like a bookkeeping program or one of those programs out there, or if you find like a template online that I highly recommend, or if you find it from like another firm owner who's like, hey, here, I have my template. Always, always, always get it double checked by a lawyer because your state is going to be different than someone else's state. If you're outside of the US, then it's going to be a different, whole different like legal jargon that might be in there. 
everybody has a different situation. And not only that, but the contracts that you find from Sally Sue, who's like, hey, yeah, I have my contract. I see this happen all the time in Facebook groups where people are like, here's my contract. Or one time I even saw this guy be like, oh, yeah, I took the contract from someone else's terms and conditions on their page. I'm like, that's literally plagiarism. It's so bad. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But what I mean is the solid contracts, I'd love for you guys to go either if you're purchasing them as templates or getting them from a program or borrowing them from a friend, whatever that looks like for you to actually go to a lawyer and have them review it. There are amazing lawyers out there that do this review portion for a cheaper fee. You'd be actually really surprised. It's not as scary as you think when it comes to legal fees. I've paid a lot of legal fees. I've paid very minimal legal fees. It really just depends on what you need and the complexity. The beauty of like a template though is the template will at least give a baseline and all that they have to do is like review the contract and then maybe give you some snippets that need to be updated in there. It might cost you a little bit less to just have them review a template versus building you a custom contract from scratch. So something to keep in mind. My recommendation is Lindsay Shea Consulting um, and I will drop her information in the chat. I recently had a conversation with her like it's almost been a year now. She was a guest expert in Breakthrough, my group coaching program. She came in and talked about what you should have in your contracts. And she was also on the podcast. And I don't remember what episode it is. And I will link it below if you want to listen to it. She gave some really great golden advice. But I reached out to her and I said, hey, look, my industry really needs custom contracts for bookkeepers, for tax repairers, like in order to help protect us a little bit more. And so she actually ended up drafting, and she's a lawyer, specific contracts for our industry And I actually bought them for myself, which is super cool when I started Magnetic because I really love them. And it's just been a great asset for me. So I bought her templates. And then what I did was I reached out to her and say, I know that you created these templates. And even if that lawyer even created those templates, templates are meant to be generic across everybody. I went in and asked her, I said, hey, look, I love these contracts, but what I need is I need to add in specifics that I want inside my contract. So like, for example, maybe you do a quarterly review of pricing but it says yearly. That's usually an easy swap in the contract, but typically I don't like to change verbiage because I'm not a lawyer and I want it to be able to stand in court if that's the case. There's other examples too. So you might run into a scenario where maybe a client, you know, I don't know, maybe you want to be able to use the reports that are produced for your clients. Maybe you want to be able to use those in case studies, but not actually use them as screenshots, but more like the number, like we've increased their income by X. You could put that stuff in your contract. Like as long as you're putting it there, the client is technically agreeing to it. I don't recommend obviously like screenshotting their their reports and like sharing it to the world. What I mean is like we have case studies that we do on our clients, but we never drop their name. We never include client sensitive info. We just say that we've helped our clients with X. And so those results like, you know, can really help us. But those are little things that you could put in your contract. There's so many things that you can add to there. Whenever you run into really bad scenarios, for example, I know a lot of people in the industry who are so frustrated that by the time it's been like two months and the person has still not gotten all their onboarding stuff, that they still can't technically start the monthly work or start the cleanup, they get frustrated and they wish that they can pull out of the contract. We have something in our contract that I was had custom drafted that was something along the lines of, stating that if they didn't get us X documentation by X week of the onboarding process, we have every right to actually disengage and then keep X dollar amount of the original first payment. And so that's something that you can also add. As long as you have the legal verbiage and the client is signing to these things, like I really wish I had solid contracts in the beginning. So like I said, I reached out to Lindsay Shea after I bought hers and I just gave her a list of the things I wanted to add. And then she just like custom drafted it. I do also have a discount code which I will also include below if you do decide to go with her. 
Like I said, I also include the episode that she did with me. So the other things that I would have done from the very beginning is profit first. So I wish that I would have known about profit first a really long time ago. And it has been such a game changer. So I implemented profit first probably back in... Hey, listener, just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode today to ask you, have you been trying to find a better solution to actually taking payments from your clients? Then boy, do I have a solution for you. One of my absolute favorite pieces of tech is Pluto. Pluto is such a game changer in your business. It really helps you to allow you to be able to take payments easily from your clients through ACH. They also take credit card as well, but they have so many different options. One of the big perks to using something like Pluto over something like QBO and all the other options that we have out there for invoicing is because it is way more cost effective and it has saved me thousands of dollars on those fees that we get taken out for invoicing our clients. So we no longer use QuickBooks Online in order to invoice our own clients. We now have migrated over to Pluto. And if you want to learn more about Pluto and check it out, it is amazing. They make such a seamless process for our clients to be able to add the ACH information, to ask them to authorize us to be able to take the automatic payment every single month and saves us a ton of money in fees. You're just going to go to workflowqueen.com backslash Pluto. That's workflowqueen.com backslash Pluto to learn more. Oh my gosh, probably 2021 is when I implemented Profit First and it was such a freaking game changer. I am not a Profit First professional. I cannot give guidance on it in any capacity, but I'm a big, big, big fan of it. So if you don't know what it is, it's a book by Mike Michalowicz and it's he's just wicked smart. And the way that he like structures the way that you save money and put them in certain accounts honestly made sense to me. I have tried every little thing that you could possibly think of. Envelope system. I've tried, you know, X percent of income goes to just this. Like, or I've tried to like be intentional and set aside taxes. Like nothing worked for me except for profit first. Profit first was literally one of the reasons why I'm able to pay myself the way I want to pay myself on top of being able to afford the team, the expenses, and I still have money for taxes at the end of the year. So I no longer have to worry that like when Uncle Sam is knocking on the door, all the money is there instead of having to scramble around and like just stress out about it. So if you don't know, he's got a book. It's called Profit First. I do recommend. It's one of those books that like, yeah, you can listen to it on an audiobook, but I also recommend maybe getting it as a physical book because he does have like charts and stuff, which technically in his audiobooks, he typically will like give you a link of where to get those and print them out. But I'm one of those people with certain books I have to physically touch because of how many graphics there are. And Profit First, in my opinion, is one of those. It's actually one of the books that we provide to our clients whenever we onboard a new client because I 1,000% stand behind Profit First. And I think it's just an incredible methodology. I use it for both my firm and here at Workflow Queen. And I use Relay, which is the bank that I use. And Relay is incredible because they just recently partnered with Mike Michalowicz and the Profit First methodology. And they have a profit first like auto transfer rule, which is really cool because like as the method of profit first, he recommends that every 10th and 25th of the month, you transfer out all the money that you brought in from all your clients and disperse it to the different accounts that you're supposed to be like, you know, it's kind of like the envelope system, but kind of virtually. Well, anyways, Relay, you have the ability to actually do auto transfers that you no longer have to go in there on the 10th and 25th to make those transfers. And so honestly, that was one of the biggest things that we implemented right when I started Magnetic was immediately went to sign up for Relay and then also implemented Profit First. So we did our formulas, everything. It's all listed in the book. 
Like I said, I'm not a profit-first professional. I just really believe in what he does, and I think it's an incredible tool. Last thing that I would have implemented if I would have started my business all over again is I would have priced right from the beginning. So at the beginning, we all do this thing where we think this is just giving us money to pay bills or maybe helping someone else in the family, maybe like being able to just have extra cash to go travel. Whatever that looks like for you, everybody starts your business with that intent. Then all of a sudden your business starts to grow. And then you're like, I actually girl bossed way too hard. Now I've got the big business that now I have to like make sure the team is taken care of, I'm taken care of, we're pricing correctly, we have overhead expenses, whatever that looks like. And the other big thing that I see in this industry is people who are undercharging at the very beginning are actually screwing over the industry standard for everybody. And so I'll kind of explain what I mean. We all don't value what we do in our head to be able to justify a certain amount of money that we should be paid as doing the books or as doing the accounting or the tax preparing, right? So a lot of times you're like, I'm just not worth more than $30 an hour, or I'm not worth more than $100 a month to pay me to do the work. And I can tell you right now, that's such BS, and that is way too low of a price to be pricing your clients. Even if it's just you for the rest of your business journey, you still need to be trying to match the industry standard because if there's bookkeepers out there charging $100 a month to do what I do, that I charge minimum $500 a month and like go no less than that, then it's only going to put me in a really bad position when a client comes to us and says, well, Sally Sue over here charges $100 a month to do the same exact thing. And I'm like, because Sally Sue probably is an individual who does it all by themselves. And if something happens to Sally Sue, yeah, you might be paying cheaper, but your business might get hurt when Sally Sue can't execute the work because they don't have a team that they can afford. Versus us, we have the team, we have the resource, we have the money that we need to make in order to educate our team to better serve our clients. And so it's so important that we as an industry start to stand up together and start to price correctly. So that way the industry norm becomes like a solid amount, even if it's like $400 or no less than that a month, like to do the monthly bookkeeping, just start pricing right from the very beginning. If you don't know how to price right, there's plenty of programs out there that will teach you how to price or bring it to like a group, but get educated on how to really price correctly. But I could tell you right now that, like I said, if we all try to underprice or if there's a lot of people out there who don't know how to value their own pricing, it really does impact everybody else if we're not all kind of doing it together. And so if I were to do it from the beginning, which when I did, we set a baseline of the no less than amount that we would charge on a monthly basis. And then everything after that, it like goes up because we don't have like already set prices for packaging. We do have packages, but they're not really priced automatically. They're based off like the volume. So if a client's volume is a little bit higher, they're obviously going to be priced a little bit higher. But just do some research, maybe asking groups around here in the Facebook communities and ask people, what are you charging for an e-commerce business with X volume? Be specific. The volume and the number of business bank accounts are going to make a difference in the way that we price. But just ask questions and see what the industry norm is and see if you can actually price correctly. Like I said, just because someone's underpricing doesn't mean necessarily that they don't know what they're doing and that they don't care. But the thing that I can tell you is if you're underpricing, you're going to need a ton more clients to be able to pay yourself and to give yourself the lifestyle you want or to afford your team that your team and even yourself are going to be so burnt out because you have to manage way more projects than you did if you priced right with less projects and still made the same amount of money. And so you're giving your clients the necessary brain space in order to serve them correctly if you are pricing right. And so just to recap, if I were to start my firm all over again, 
I would be implementing first my project management system. Then I'd be documenting things from the very beginning. Then I would get solid contracts in place that are going to really help me to protect me legally. I would have implemented something like Profit First to help me to save the right amount of money, be able to pay taxes with all the money saved. And lastly, I would have made sure to price right from the very beginning. And if you're struggling with any of these things, it is totally, totally normal. You are not alone. We are here for you. If you did not implement these things from the beginning, it's okay. These things can be implemented later down the road. It's just sometimes it's nice to tell other people the things that we wish we would have done if we would have done it again. So that way it helps maybe save someone for the future. So I hope you love this episode. If you have any questions about the things I would have changed in my business, you can email me at support at workflowqueen.com or you can come over on Instagram at workflowqueen and chat with me in the DMs and I'm more than happy to support you. But without further ado, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of our Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host, Alyssa Lang, the founder and owner of Workflow Queen. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with a fellow bookkeeper or an accountant on social media, and also tag me on Instagram at Workflow Queen. The more that we work together to get this out in front of other people, the better I can help to serve this industry to create more solid systems and processes. Now go take what you learned from today's episode and apply it into your practice so you can finally give yourself the brain space and freedom that you deserve. I can't wait to see you unfold throughout your journey. And thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode. See you next time.